In this series, last week I told you, you absolutely positively need a church family. Um, and, and so this week I'm going to challenge you. And this is what I just, we just had our men's group on, on uh, Sunday morning, um, this Sunday morning. And we, I challenged them. This is going to kind of be our theme over the next several weeks. I want you to think about bio. Bio has to do with life, biology, uh, biosphere, whatever. I want you to think about bio. So the first, the B, and I want you to write this down. It's not on your listening guide. I want you to write this down because I'm going to challenge you to be, to do this. The B is be in God's presence daily, before God daily. Um, you cannot lead someone where you aren't. And so if you're going to get close to God, if you're going to lead anybody ever, anywhere, you've got to be close to God before you can lead them to grow in, in their relationship with Christ. The I stands for in a small group. And, and we talked about this in the men's group. You can fellowship in a crowd. I mean, you can worship in a crowd, but you can't fellowship in a crowd. You have to have a smaller group. We are going to be hammering small groups over the next six weeks. We think you should be in one because I truly believe life change happens best in small groups. Why do you think Celebrate Recovery does small groups. They do large group, but then they get into small groups because life change happens in small groups. If all you do is sit and soak, you never grow up spiritually. And I don't want to be a part of a church like that. Have you ever been a part of a church like that? Every church I've been a part of before this church has been a church like that. I don't want people to sit and soak. I want people to get off their butts and serve. And so you're going to have to get in a small group. And then the last thing is, oh, is um, on mission 24-7. I want you from the moment we say amen and you walk out these doors, I want you looking for where Jesus is at work. Jesus said, my father is always working. I too am working. If they are always working, our job as Christ followers is to see where they're working and to join them. You don't have to pray about it. If God's working there, you don't have to pray. You just join. Does that make sense? So I want you to think about bio before God daily in a small group and on mission 24-7. Now, do you know what every headstone in a cemetery has in common? Every one of them. The dash. It's not the beginning date. It's not the ending date. There's a dash. So I've got a picture for you here. This is a generic one. I'll sell this one to you cheap. You know, um, we can go ahead and carve on your, your, your beginning date, but nobody here has an ending date right yet, right? Okay, all right. The dash, your obituary, will have your, the date of your birth and the date of your death, but this little dash on the headstone represents all of your life. It's kind of it's sad if you think about it. We're, well, let me ask you this. How many of you... How many of you have a physical body that is showing no signs of aging? I mean, you never have a pain. You never have an ache. Anyone have, have a body that shows no... Is, are there any eternals, eternal physical bodies? We do have an eternal soul. Any eternals in the room? Okay, unless Jesus returns, because this is the only way that we get to be alive, unless he returns, how many of you think you're going to end up in a cemetery with a gravestone? That's about half of you. I don't know what the rest of you think. I'm not trying to be morbid today, but what I want you to think about is we spend so much more time taking care of the physical than we do the spiritual. And, I, and when I say taking care, I know that's a, that's a relative term. But if you are tired, <clears throat> how many of you refuse to sleep? I'm not resting. That's a child. You see your children, I'm not tired. And then they eventually pass out, right? You, I know that's a relative term. I haven't had Bluebell in 10 months because I'm not in the 190s yet. And about every time I get close, good food comes in front of me. So I eat good food. I love good food. 
Pastor Harris made us some, some what did he make us? Gumbo. Oh, my goodness. That hurt you. And I, he just kept filling it up. I just kept eating it. So I can't have Bluebell for a while. What I'm talking about is, is if you are hungry, you're going to eat. If you're tired, you're eventually going to rest. We, take, we focus on the physical and we neglect the spiritual. Is that, a, is that a true or false statement? How many of you spend more time focusing on the physical than on the spiritual? That's the point I'm trying to make today. And here's what the Bible says about that. 1 Timothy 4.8. Training you, your body helps you in... Go ahead to the scripture. Training your body helps you in what? Let's say that again. Training your body helps you in what? So the Bible is saying you have a physical body and taking care of your physical body. This is the, the temple of the Holy Spirit. So we're supposed to take care of our bodies. But it says it's only helpful in some ways. Look what it goes on to say. But serving God helps you in what? I don't think you got that. Serving God helps you in what? So physical exercise helps in some ways. Spiritual exercise helps in how many ways? Every way. By bringing you blessing in this life and in the future too. Physical Focusing on the physical only blesses you while you have breath. And we just said we're all going to die unless Jesus returns. So only a fool only focuses on the physical and not the spiritual. Would you agree with that? He just called me a fool. No, God did, but I'll show you why, where in just a minute. People all the time say, you know, I, I believe in God and I love God and I love Jesus. I just don't need the church. That's ridiculous. That's nonsense. And here's, here's, how, here I, here's how I know. I've got a picture, and, and we're going to put that up there in just a second, but I want you to think about this. I want you to tell me what the object of this picture needs in order to survive. You ready? So if you just put food in the room, this, this, this baby's going to survive. Caregiver, a family. Isn't the best way for this beautiful baby to grow would to be in the midst of a loving family? And I'm not, I'm not making, I'm not throwing stones at single parents. I'm saying, doesn't it make sense if this baby has two parents who love them and are committed to their growth, doesn't that baby have a better chance? When you ask Jesus to be the forgiver of your sins and the leader of your life, we talked about this last week. Jesus says, Jesus says, you're born again. I don't care how old you are. When you're born again, you're a spiritual infant. You're a spiritual baby. He just called me an infant. Come on. If you're born again, Jesus didn't say this by accident. When you're born again, you are a spiritual baby. And if a physical baby needs a physical family, what does a spiritual baby need? We're going to stay here till you get it. If a physical baby needs a physical family, what does a spiritual baby need? Some of you are hungrier than others. You're like, no, he means it. Thank you, Miss Katie. I can always count on Miss Katie. Amen, brother. If you don't get connected to a spiritual family, you will not, you will not, you cannot be everything that God wants you to be. And according to the Bible, who is God's spiritual family? Who or what is God's spiritual family? The church. Thank you. So look what Paul says to the church at Rome about this. Is Romans 12, 4 and 5. He says, just as our bodies have many parts, and which part? Each part 
has a special function. So it is with Christ's body. We are members of one body and we all, what's this word? Do you know what that word means? I don't think you do. Because if you believe the word of God says you belong to every other believer in the family, where would you be when the family gathers? With the family. So let me, let me uh, I, got a, I got a game. We're going to play Let's Make a Deal. Right? So I'm going to put some words, or Krista's going to put some words on the screen in just a second. And I'm going to offer you the chance to have these words. And if you want these words to be representative of your life, you just say, I want that. Ready? Put them up there if you would. Miserable, resentful, fearful, insecure, unhappy. Who wants to deal? Why are you not jumping at that? You want me to tell you how I can guarantee that these words will describe your life? You plug into the physical and you neglect the spiritual. You spend all of your time trying to please your physical family and you ignore your heavenly father and his spiritual family and I guarantee this is what's going to describe you. Anybody want? Anybody want it? Now, I'm not saying if you plug into any church, you're going to be happy in the opposite of these things. Y'all know what I'm talking about. But I want you to see what your heavenly father says about loneliness. And it it happens in the Garden of Eden with the very first human. He says this in Genesis 2.18. The Lord God said, it is not good for man to be what? Now, I know he's talking about in this instance, he's about to create Eve and it's about marriage. But this verse is way more than about marriage. It applies whether you're married or not. It is not good for a woman to be alone. You need a spiritual family. And I'm going to give you some reasons why you need this spiritual family. First one, I need a spiritual family to walk with me. That means to do life with me. That means to be on pilgrimage. Um, and and here's, here's where it comes from. Colossians 2, 6 says this. Therefore, as you receive Christ Jesus as Lord, so walk in him. That word walk means pilgrimage. And I was thinking about this because all these pictures from when I was in Peru in 2017 keep popping up. Me and Cameron, my buddy Cameron, who's a pastor, we went to Peru. We, we hiked the Inca Trail. It's 29 miles over four days. You start at 7,000 feet elevation. You go up to 14,000 feet as you go over Dead Woman's Pass. It's just because it looks like a dead woman. It actually looks like she's laying down dead. That's how it got the name, not because people die. But I think people wanted to die when we got there because 14,000 for fat white people is not... A good place to be, but we go over 14,000 and then we went down steps back to 7,500 feet and then we came through the sun gate and we walked into Machu Picchu and it was fantastic. Can you imagine what Cameron would have thought of me if we'd gotten to the first ascent and I said, I'm done. I'll see you in Machu Picchu. He'd be going, how are you going to get there? I'm just going to wish it. You go on, you go on. The pilgrimage started with the first step, and actually we, we go up about 400 feet in, in like the first half mile, and every one of us, and I trained hard for this thing. I was doing two-a-days. I was in the best shape I've been in years, and I was puffing. I thought, oh, dear God, this is the first 30 minutes. I ain't making it. Everybody did. We're all, we're all puffing and breathing hard, and the guides are just laughing at us because they do it all the time, but eventually our hearts caught up with us, and, and we made the 29-mile trek, and it was coming through the sun gate and seeing Machu Picchu, you need to look at those pictures. Oh, 
It was, it was amazing. And what, what I learned was as I pilgrimaged with Cameron, the distance between our hearts got smaller and smaller and we would lay in our tents at night and we would talk about what God's doing in our lives and what our prayer concerns were. And every night, because this was a spiritual trip, it was a, it was a uh, leadership trip, we would have devotionals and I got to talk to other people about their walk with Christ and, and it was incredible. And I thought, that's what a church should be. We walk with one another through the valleys and over dead woman's pass. And it's incredible. Well, there's a key. If you want to walk like Jesus, you can never walk alone. Jesus got 12 followers. Jesus is a son of God. And he got 12 followers and he said, here's what I want you to carry on. And, and again, this is nothing. It, I, know, I know married people who are incredibly lonely and I know single people who aren't lonely. It has nothing to do with whether you're married or not. Marriage doesn't solve the problem of loneliness. Spiritual connection with a church family does. Let me give you just some basic reasons why it's, it's better to be connected to a church. Number one, it's safer. Would you rather walk through a dark alley alone or with a thousand people who are packing heat? Yes, assuming they know how to use it and they're on your side, right? I was making that assumption. It's safer. Going through life without a spiritual family is dumb. It's way safer to have people around you. Number two, keeps me from quitting. How many of you ever been discouraged? How many of you ever been, felt like quitting? That's when, listen to me, that's when it's important to have the right friends around you. The right friends will never, never lead you to do something that contradicts the Bible. The right friends will never say, you don't need to go to church. The right friends will never say, you don't need to forgive. You don't need to serve. You don't need to go. You don't need to give. You don't need to be a fanatic. In Jesus' day, did you know that the fanatics were normal? The fanatics for Jesus were normal. They said, it doesn't matter what you do to me. I'm not, I'm not turning my back on Jesus Christ. In our society, I don't care what you offer me. I'm not going to identify myself with Jesus or his family. <laughs> the Jews have this thing, they have seven days of mourning where you just get to weep and wail and mourn and your friends will sit with you and they won't say a thing. On the seventh day, after you've been mourning, it's time to get off your butt and move on with life. I tell you that because when you fall down into a pit, a lot of people are still in the pit years later. And you need a friend that says, it's time, it's time to go. Get up, let's go. There's this African proverb, and it says, if you want to run fast, run alone. If you want to run far, run with other people. That's pretty wise. Some of you are running real fast into the grave. You'll get there before the rest of us, and you'll get there alone. It just doesn't make sense to me. So much smarter. The last thing is so much smarter to be plugged into a spiritual family because here's where God calls you a fool, not the pastor. Only fools trust what they think alone, what they alone think. Proverbs 28, 26. You know why a lot of people go down the road by themselves? They go do their own things. They refuse to listen to anyone. A lot of times because they flat out know they're wrong. And so they isolate themselves from God and from others. And the Bible, the Bible says in the multitude of counselors, wise counselors, by the way, in the multitude of counselors, there's victory, there's safety. In, in our 
prison system, the worst punishment that you can give someone is solitary confinement? Did you know that your heavenly father hates loneliness? So he created two things to deal with loneliness. Your physical family, the one you grew up with. And by the way, your physical family is not lasting forever. I know that, that we act like it is. It's not. The scripture is real clear. There's no marriage in heaven. We aren't given in marriage. There's no marriage in heaven. Your spiritual family is the church, and it lasts forever. Again, which one are you spending the most time dealing with, spiritual or physical? The church is God's answer to loneliness. If you're lonely today, it's because you're not plugged into the church. Here's what Hebrews says, Hebrews 10.25. Let us not give up the, what's that word that's highlighted? Let us not give up, what's that word that's highlighted? Habit, Habit of meeting together as some, are in the, as some are doing. Instead, let us encourage one another. Who are you encouraging? Each other. If you're not plugged into the spiritual family, who are you encouraging? No one. <laughs> A habit is something you do regularly. We talked about this last week. Not something you do three out of eight Sundays. That's not a habit. So I need others to walk with me. I need others to work with me. Some of you came to church exhausted today. You want to know why? Because you're doing it all alone. You're exhausted because you're doing things on your own. You're worn out, and God never meant for you to walk alone or work alone. When you, when you meet someone who is lonely and exhausted and stressed, is the first thing you think is, I need to spend more time with them. Lonely, tired, stressed people are punks. <laughs> I know. What is it? Janie and I say something, we're like, you having a hard day? Or I don't, what do we say? It's been a while since we've said it. It basically means you're being a punk. But it's a safe word, so you don't get smacked. You need others to be around you. Because, because lonely, stressed out, tired people are like a wet blanket. I'm sorry, I can't be around wet blankets very long. You need to dry out and get up and do something, right? And we all go through that period, but don't do it for more than seven days. Do you know at West Point they have a, they have a system that allows them to feed 4,000 people in 15 minutes? I'm like, how's that possible? Well, it's because everybody has a role to play. And I thought, how much more effective could our church be if everybody knew their role and played their role? You know, the, the answer to some of us in the church being exhausted and worn out is some of you need to get off your butt and serve. You know how frustrated children's ministers get? I used to hate, so did Janie, hate getting a phone call on Sunday morning. Because it meant somebody was sick. And I'm not upset about somebody being sick. But they were like, hey, I ain't coming. You need to fix it. I'm not very nice on those mornings when I get those phone calls. Ecclesiastes 4.9 says, two people are better than one because they get more done working together. Everybody knows this, right? You get more done working together, and it's more fun. Um, so George and... and Gary and I have been on a whole lot of trips, and I love going on mission trips with them. And so um, 
my brother was on this trip as well. So my brother is a typical Washburn who thinks he knows more than he knows. Um, I'm including myself in that. So my brother takes a team and he's at the back of the ch- uh, church working on this one room. And George takes a team and, and he, we're in this other room. So George and I had talked about this and George brought scaffolding and he, I mean, he just brought the stuff and we adjusted the scaffolding and we are hauling buns, putting it up. I mean, it was almost like that. That was, that was, um, was it called? Time lapse. It was almost like that. We were moving, and my brother comes in. He goes, y'all are cheating. George says, if you want to win, put Georgie in. As he's standing up there, and my brother goes, what? He goes, hey, man, I brought the equipment. We're moving on. I came to get some work done. He said again, if you want to win, put Georgie in. So then my brother the next day comes and steals one of the scaffoldings. I'm like, dude, you don't touch another man's scaffolding. I know you're older than me, but you ain't figured this out yet. (laughs) Galatians 6.10 says, therefore, whenever we have the opportunity, we should do good to everyone. Look at this word. What's this next word? Okay, we're supposed to do good to everybody, but it says there's a higher priority, especially to those who are what? In the family of faith, to the church, to believers. seeing Pastor Harris and and his wife and then their financial secretary and then talking to a couple of deacons later, they were blown away. And and I'm, I'm not missing the significance of this and I'm not overstating it either. They're blown away that a white church from East Texas. He said to me later, he said, you could have just sent us this check. And he said, we would have been grateful. I think he said it to our whole group. He said, but you came and served gave us a check. You know what happened to my heart and Pastor Harris's heart? It's what happens when you serve together. So if you want to have meaning and significance, you need to get involved in church. If you're worn out, you need to know that the church is God's answer to fatigue. You got to get plugged in. Number three, I need others to watch out for me. I need folks who will stand up for me, have my back, Warn me, watch my back. You know why I need this? Because I have blind spots. You have blind spots. And some of us have bald spots. And I'm not making this up. When I, when I discovered I had a bald spot, 20-something years ago, I'm baptizing at Southside Baptist Church. My pastor's back was messed up, so he started letting me uh, baptize. I was the youth minister. And so I'm baptizing. And if you know anything about Southside, it's got this big, oh, it's like a swimming pool, man. You could do laps in there. And you come down. By the way, Mount Olives is bigger than that. You could do laps in Mount Olives Baptistry. But anyway, so you go down in the steps, and I don't even know who I was baptizing. But I know somebody gave me a picture the next day. And as I'm baptizing, so they're at the top of the steps. I'm down in the pool, and I see this vast wasteland on the top of my head. It looked like a halo. And I'd, I'd never seen it. I didn't know. And I said, why didn't somebody tell me? It was shortly after that. I started shaving my head. I'm like, and so there are people that I've not seen at Southside since I left in, in 2001. In 2002. They'll go, hey, Doug, you lost your hair. I'm like, I didn't notice. And I want to say, why didn't you tell me 20 years ago? You want to be helpful, Captain Obvious? You ain't got no hair. I have so many things I want to say, but the Lord won't let me say them. 
How many of you saw your taillights actually functioning on your way to church today? You have things in your life you can't see. Hopefully you got someone to tell you when you're unzipped. <laughs> friends don't let friends walk around unzipped. I mean, you want to you run somebody off, you let your pastor walk up to somebody, some guest. Hey! Don't you let me walk up to somebody unzipped or with green beans stuck in my teeth or a booger flapping. A friend says, dude, you got to get that thing out of there. Uh, and I've mentioned this before, but all you got to ask my kids about Fuddruckers. That's all I'm going to say. They, st- they were like, ugh, we didn't want to eat because the dude's booger was hanging out as he's talking to us. Grapevine Mills Mall, they know. You need a friend. You, uh, you need a friend because you have an enemy. Are you with me? You have an enemy and he's ruthless. And he has this arsenal of habits, hurts, hang-ups, problems. And so many of the times, we make it easy on him. You know how we make it easy on him? We isolate ourselves, and we act like we don't need anybody else in our lives. And we're defeated again and again and again. We make his life easy, his job easy. You need people helping you resist temptation. Celebrate recovery on Monday nights. That's what it's about. Small groups, it's what it's about. You need to be in a small group. January, January 23rd, we're going to play games out here. Just have fun that night. Have some Mexican food. We're going to get connected to groups. Janie and I are actually hosting a small group at our house this uh, semester. And, and so there's going to be groups here because we know some of you need child care and you're going to come here. But we're having a group in our house. It's been a long time since we had a group in our house. I still remember the first time Casey and Sherry came to our house to small group. Sherry shared some things that were going on in her life. And it's the first, it's, it's the deepest I've been in a small group fastest because when she shared, it opened, it, walls came down. That was one of the most incredible small groups I've ever been a part of. You need to be in one. Why? Because Ecclesiastes 4.12 tells us, by yourself, you're unprotected. With a friend, you can face the worst. Can you round up a third? A three-stranded rope isn't easily snapped. You see, there's some problems you can't solve by yourself. If you could have, you would have, but you can't, so you didn't. That's where your spiritual family comes in. James, half-brother Jesus, said this, Confess your sins to one another and pray for each other so that you may be, what is that word? Do you want to be healed? (laughs) Ironically, the two people that answered me have gone through AA years ago and are some of the most plugged-in people in our church. When Jesus came across the person uh, in Jerusalem who'd been invalid, the Bible says, he's been paralyzed for 38 years. He's lying next to the pool of Siloam. You know what he asked him? Do you want to get well? It seems like a dumb question. Duh, 38 years, Jesus. You know why I ask him that question? Because not everybody wants to get well. A lot of people want to just lay in their misery and sorrow. They want you to feel sorry for them. They, they've gotten used to being a wet blanket. And Jesus, Jesus wants to know, do you want to be healed? If you want to be healed, you need a group. And I'm not saying you stand up here and confess, but you need at least one Christ follower that you confess to or you will never be healed because your enemy We'll use all your hurts, your habits, your hangups, your problems 
to keep you in a pit? Do you want to be healed? The church is God's answer to defeat, and I could have even said the church is God's answer to healing. Number four, I need others to wait and weep with me. I'm going to fly through this. Nobody should ever have to wait alone when, when they're getting a diagnosis about whether their spouse or their loved one has terminal cancer. No one should ever spend the first night alone when their spouse has walked out the door. No one should ever stand at an empty grave alone. Should not happen in the church of God. Nobody should have to wait at home for, for someone to come and identify their body of a loved one who just died. You're going to have tragedy in this life. Jesus said it. Misery is optional. And misery happens when you go through life alone. So now is the time to set up that, that system. Get it in place now because you're going to go through tragedy. I was talking to Pastor Joy. So I'm on the board with Praying Pelican Missions, and I had to make some phone calls this week. And I was talking to Pastor Joyce, and he was telling me that um, he's on the board and I told him what I was, it's funny, when we talked to each other, we just, we kind of bounce ideas. And so I told him what our sermon series was. He goes, let me give you a story. He said, I, I, I got a phone call and he went and, and he went to this millionaire's house. I mean, like he sold a company for 18 million. He said, when I got to his house, he has a, he has an estate with multiple houses. It's just incredible. And he said, here's this white guy that's very successful in business. And he said, he's given to my church. Pastor Joyce is an inner church, inner city church in Memphis. He said, successful white guy given to an inner city black church. And he said, um, I was grateful. He said, I thanked him. He's, he's helped us before. And, and just, awesome. He said the next week his wife called, the, the man's wife called and said, Pastor, my, my husband's cancer has returned. And she said, we've got no one. We don't have a church. We don't have a pastor, a priest. So he said, they don't even live in the same town. He said, she called and it was snow. He goes, I don't know what's happening there, but it's snowing here in Memphis. And he said, would, his wife said, would you come and pray for him? Because he was, he was cancer free for five years, but it's back. And Pastor Joyce says, you know what happens when, past, when cancer comes back? It usually comes back more aggressive. And he said, so I thought, I got to go. And he went and prayed. And, and so we were just talking, and I said, so the dude had $18 million but zero friends. And he says, you tell your church that. He says, you have my permission to share this story. This guy's in another town. He's another race. And the only thing he could think of was the one preacher he knew to call and, and come pray for him. That's sad doesn't have to be that way. Romans 12, 15 says, be happy with those who are happy and weep with those who are weep. We do that in small group. We celebrate. We got, I got a group of friends that every time something great happens in my life, they're the first ones I text. We have a group text. And every time some, there's a prayer concern, there's a group text. And I know that they're going to say, yes, and we do. Praise God. Yes, I've been praying. Or the first thing, praying, 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 praying. And there's times when, when we can't just text, we get together and pray because it's such a big deal. The church, you need to know this, is God's answer to despair. And then the last thing is I need others to witness with me. God expects you to tell others that you've been born again into his family, right? That you've been made alive in Christ. But did you know you don't have to do that alone? A lot of people, get a, they're afraid because, oh, I don't know what to say. Well, a witness just says, 
What happened? All I know is I was dead, now I'm alive. I was lost, now I'm found. But you don't have to do that by yourself. One of the reasons we do church the way we do is we want a, an unbeliever to come in here and, and be able to worship. I wear, I wear these, these Magellan pants and a T-shirt because I don't want anybody to ever worry about what they wear to church. We had a guy one time come in, he'd been duck hunting, and he still had all of his, his duck clothes on, uh, his camo clothes, and he said, I didn't have time to change. I said, this is the best church to come to when you don't have time to change. He sat on the front row over here. I said, dude, always come. I've had people come and they say, I didn't have time. And they're like, man, I'm sorry. I stink. And I'm like, I don't care. You're here. Yes. An unbeliever cannot worship God because they don't know him, but an unbeliever can see genuine worship. And when they see you worship, it causes the Holy Spirit to work in their heart and they begin to ask questions. It's why we pester you all the time when you're not worshiping. Your heavenly father is always watching. You don't know who else is watching. And I'm not saying you come in here and fake it. But I'm saying if you're happy to be in Jesus' house, you need to tell your face. I'm not making this up. You know why we turn the lights off after the first song? Because some of you look constipated. (laughs) Jesus, I love you. I don't need to see that when I'm worshiping the Lord. <laughs> so we worship and we try to make a service where you can invite your friends and they'll hear, they'll hear and understand. We're not going to talk in words they can't understand. I work very, very hard so that somebody far from God can understand this message. But do you want to know what the number one witness is? Of your life to unbelievers? Jesus, this comes from the words of Jesus, John 13, 35. Your love for one another will. What's this word? Okay, this is big. If you don't get anything else, you need to get this. Your, your love for one another will what? Prove to the world that you're my disciples. If you're not loving other members of the church, where are you proving that you love Jesus? Oh, I'm with you in spirit. That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. No, you're not. You know, when we, the first Sunday that we were shut down with COVID, we had over a thousand views online of our worship service. The next week is about 900. And then it slowly, actually very quickly started dropping off. You're not even with me in your living room. With you in spirit. Jesus said the thing that's going to prove that we're followers of Christ, not our buildings, not our bumper stickers, not our T-shirts, not our youth group, our men's and women's Bible studies. He said, it's your love for each other. So let me ask you again, where are you proving that you're a follower of Jesus? People are watching. And can I tell you, your family members are watching. And they know whether you really believe that this is the family of God. They're watching. If you've ever been overwhelmed, discouraged, afraid, insecure, unhappy, miserable, it's a huge warning sign going off saying you need to connect to the family of God. There was something rather significant happened in, on July 4th, 1776. What was it? We had a group of people get together and sign the what? Declaration of Independence. Was that a big deal? Our nation was formed. It's a big deal. Now, I would, I would argue that those guys wouldn't recognize our nation, but I'm, I'm digressing. 
Okay, there's, this is, this, I'm not making this up, and I'm not using hyperbole. Go look it up if you don't know what that means. I believe something more significant and longer-lasting can happen today than the signing of the Declaration of Independence, July 4th, 1776. And in order for that to happen, you all have to make a choice, and you can do this online as well. So I'm going to ask you to say something. I'm going to ask you to repeat after me, and we're going to put the words on the screen so that you don't forget the words. So here we go. You ready? You're going to repeat after me. The first is, I really... Okay, so online, if you're not saying it out loud, you can type it, all right? This is how I find out. By the way, did you know that I was testing you on, on the day after Christmas? I, I wanted to see how many people had watched the service, and so I know that Zach watched the service because he came, and he, he got 50 bucks last week because he said the, the, the memory verse with the, with the motion. Some of you don't know what I'm talking about. I <laughs> got you. I also said that if, if, you could, if you could give me the slogan, when with God we connect, he will always protect, um, kids would get something, a prize for that. Zero kids. So, gotcha. Uh, anyway, I believe something more significant can happen today, and you can help me out online by typing this. So let's say this again. I really, I really, 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 really need a small group. Okay, now that you know it, She's going to put the whole slide up there, and I want you to say it with me. I really, really, really need a small group. Do you know what you just did? You made a declaration of interdependence. And you may think, oh, that's a dad joke. No, it's not. If you recognize you need a small group and you get plugged in, A year from now, you're going to be a different person than you are today spiritually. You're going to grow. Five years from now, ten years from now, if you insist on remaining in isolation, you're going to be lonely, tired, miserable, and maybe even desperate. So I'm going to put a prayer up here. I'm going to to say this. I don't want you to say it out loud. I want you to read it along with me. And then I'm going to leave it up for a second if you need to focus on something. But here's our prayer to God. Dear God, forgive me for the times I felt like I didn't need other people in my life. I want to be part of what you're doing on earth through your family, the church. I'm tired of superficial relationships. So I'm just going to give you a second. If you need to pray that, pray it. Here's the rest of the prayer. I want to learn to really love and be loved in a deeper way. Lord, please come into my life and make me alive spiritually. Help me to plug into your family so that I can grow and become all you created me to be. In Jesus' name, amen. So I'm going to give you a second to pray that. Today can be the most significant day of your life if you'll plug into your spiritual family. Before God daily, in a small group weekly, on mission 24-7. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you for your love and your grace. I pray that you turn new life into a spiritual family that changes the world and eternity. Help us pay attention to where you're at work and help us join you. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen.